Sorry if I lost everybody there for a minute, but uh, good to see everybody. Hope uh, everybody had a great weekend. And uh, please feel free to uh, chat in questions, observations, uh, anything like that, uh, because always makes our time together more valuable and it's fun to hear uh, everyone's thoughts and perspectives. So uh, we're gonna uh, talk about ego part two and uh, as a kind of a follow-up from our conversation from last week. And when we were talking about last about ego last week, you know, we were talking about how our how really our egos are kind of an ancient artifact in a lot of ways. And that you know thousands of year thousands of years ago, or or at a time when when uh, the world was more uh, treacherous around us, uh, more dangerous. Uh, you know, our ego was meant to aid us really more in our physical protection because we didn't really have a lot of extra time for curiosity and self-image. And, and so uh, we were really focused more, you know, simply on survival. And, and so our ego was there to just like literally physically protect us, right? To help with our protection. And, and you know, part of that, part of that was, uh, and we'll talk a little more about this in, uh, in the coming slides, is that when there was a change in the environment, okay? It, 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 it triggered um, our, uh, our reptilian brain, right? Where uh, when there's a change in the environment, it we were focused on scanning for threats. And we've talked about this off and on, you know, for the last, you know, year and a half, that uh, when when there's a change in the environment, uh, we we scan for threats. Now, again, when, when we were in a more treacherous environment, okay, uh, uh, scanning for threats were, were like physical threats, right? Uh, it could be a predator, it could be some other type of danger. You know, in today's environment, we don't have that. But when we sense a change, right, our, our ego um, triggers us uh, and it still kicks into protection mode, but more about our view of ourselves. So, so it, 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 it looks at how do we, how do we uh, protect our, our view of ourselves, okay? Because our view of ourselves, as opposed to being a physical safety, uh, the view of ourselves and how we look at ourselves and our preconceived notions are safety in and of themselves. So, you know, that's what we talked about uh, last week. And so, so if we can eliminate or reduce, eliminate is, you know, probably a stretch because we all have it. I'll share a personal experience with you. But if we can, if we can eliminate um, and re or reduce uh, the number of moments and times when we feel threatened, okay, then we're really kind of taming the ego, okay, because the ego, the ego becomes the strongest, all right, when we feel threatened, and and it kicks in the most when we feel threatened. And again, we don't have a lot of physical threats floating around, but we have other threats, right? Threats to our our status quo, our, our self-image of ourselves, you know, our immediate surroundings. And so let's just talk about just briefly, like what are uh, ego-based responses today? Like what are the things that are gonna trigger ego? Well, certainly a change in your immediate environment uh, could be, you know, you gotta move your office or, um, you know, your car breaks down or, uh, you know, something like that, right? Something that, that triggers a change in your, in your immediate environment. Uh, new ideas, uh, and I'll share with you something at the end here uh, that, that I experienced last week. I was kind of chuckling to myself. 
But new, new ideas can trigger ego because to have a new idea, you have to let go of an old idea. And letting go, letting go of an old idea is change. And a lot of times uh, it could be powerful change. And, and so that, that can, that can uh, uh, trick, trigger your, your ego. Uh, changing in relationships, you know, and, and, and whether it's personal or business or, or just at a friendship level, you know, how do, how do changing relationships uh, uh, affect your view of yourself, right? And, and your view of your status quo, you know, well, wait a minute, this relationship is changing. It's either expanding or it's contracting or it's shifting, right? Uh, you know, my best friend just moved from, you know, Maine to California. And, you know, I've relied on that person for whatever. And, uh, and so changing relationships, certainly the disruption of routine. Disru disruption of routine can really trigger ego. Now it can trigger it in funny ways, you know, it can make you irritable. Um, it can, um, uh, it, it can leave you kind of off balance. And, and, and so you can have a change of a routine, um, over here, but it might trigger you to do something to try to get more control over here. Right. So it shifts. And when you have that type of, of change, uh, around you and, and you're, and you're trying to control things, your ego will kick in to try to control things. So disruption routines are, are one to really watch. And, and I'll just, I'll just throw this out here as an exercise. Go into your kitchen, and I don't know if you have a blender or a toaster or if you can move your microwave or any appliance that you have that you use on a regular basis. Obviously, you can't move your stove or your refrigerator, but any appliance or where you keep, like you keep your silverware, move it around. Move it around every now and then to, so that you become the disruptor of your routine so that you're aware, right? It gives, you, it gives you muscle memory about how to adjust to disruption of routines. I mean, look, you know, like we we like when was the last time we moved the coffee maker or or the toaster? So it might sound um, trite or a little silly, but 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 be but condition yourself for disruption and routine, right? Because it it changes your muscle memory. Um, challenges to the established view of yourself uh, that can trigger ego because you know we as we've talked about we have we have a view of ourselves, and but when when that view changes. Right, the eagle will kick in to protect or preserve, right, our the view of ourselves. And um, lastly, changes to your established view of institutionals, institutional uh, concepts, uh, and that could be anything. That could be history, it could be religion, it could be politics, it could be a, a social group you belong to, it could be anything. But but changes to your established view. Um, uh, are, are really powerful, right? Because we, all of us identify with some type of, some type of, um, you know, institutional concepts. And so there's others, of course, but, but those are some of the ego-based ego uh, trigger points in, in today's environment. As we talked about last week, it's not, you know, marauding Vikings or pack of wolves chasing you down, right? It, it's things that are, that are more, uh, a little more benign and, and that are environmental. And, and so we've talked about this before. And so why, why is that the case, right? And, and so we're pre-wired. Um, we are pre-wired for fear of loss than we are for potential of gain. And it's all about our ancient survival instincts. 
Okay. We talk about the ego is directly connected to our survival instincts and it's ancient. It's an ancient artifact. Now I don't, I'm not advocating that we don't need our ego, right? Cause you need it at some level, but we don't need it at the level in which, um, it has, you know, been a, his, as a historical artifact, and and so we are we are pre-wired, okay, uh, through countless generations of having to be on guard uh, for fear of loss and potential of gain, and and that's actually uh, a condition that's called loss aversion, and and again, we've talked about this I think a few times. Uh, but it's directly connected to ego, okay? Because ego is about self-preservation. Self-preservation of, in this day and age, right? Not, not about, you know, the saber-toothed tiger hunting us down, but uh, uh, preserving our view of things, our view of ourselves, our view of institutions, our view of relationship, whatever the case may be. And, and so what that says is, is that loss aversion, you know, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase, is, is the status quo is better than the unknown, even though the known is not optimal. So loss aversion is, I'm, is okay, I, I know this, whatever this is, right, what's going on around me, even though it's not optimal, even though that I'd prefer to have something else. I'm going to choose what I know and the known, even though the known is not ideal, to the unknown. And even though the unknown is where all the improvement is going to be, right? It, it, it's the unknown where all the opportunity is. There is no opportunity in the known. And, and so that's what loss aversion is. And so if we kind of understand that about ourselves, if we understand that, that, that all of us out of the box, right? When, uh, when we come here, uh, we are wired for loss than we are for potential of gain. And right, we fear loss more than we, more than we uh, covet gain. And so, but we can change that. And, it, and it's all within our power to change it. And, and that's how, that's how you know, we, we control our ego. And I, I found this quote over the weekend. Um, and um, it's, train yourself in the art of letting go of everything you fear to lose. And that's powerful, and that sounds uh, pretty lofty. But if you're not afraid of losing things, then you're always focused on gain, and you're always focused then on half full, not half empty, because loss aversion that will trigger your ego is all about half empty. Okay, now it might manifest itself in a lot of different ways. But it's basically that simple. It's either half full or half empty. If you're half full, you're scanning for opportunities. Okay. If you're half empty, you're living um, uh, more in fear, which is more likely to trigger your ego. So we're talking about triggers, right? Will most likely trigger your ego, right? But you can change that. You can you can rewire yourself to be looking for scanning for opportunity versus scanning for threats. And uh, when you're scanning for opportunity you're out of judgment, you're living in curiosity, uh, and then everything's possible, right? When you're, when you're half empty and you're scanning for threats all the time, and you're, you're gonna be in judgment more often, and then your field of view narrows significantly, okay? 
Um, and, and so we can literally wire ourselves, you know, re rewire ourselves so that we're more focused on, on what the opportunities are, which is less likely to trigger our egos. And I'll, and I'll just share the story with you. Um, so I was meeting with uh, Kristen uh, Diamond, who's our chief marketing officer, and um, Joanne Gogan, who's, who runs uh, Grady's Title. And the three of us were talking about something. And, and um, they had this idea, and I don't want to get into the idea yet, uh, not, not here, but they had this idea about changing something that had been kind of a long-standing way in which we've done things. And when they first brought it to me, you know, we're just talking, it was kind of casual, right? We're just talking about it. And, and, and they said, well, what, what about if we did this? And, and my immediate reaction, and it was pretty funny. My immediate reaction was, well, well, no. And I had to stop for a minute. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Just because we've always done it that way, doesn't mean that's the way we should continue to do it. And, and, and like immediately, I was like, well, wait a minute, let's talk about this some more. And then as we talked about it, here's what was so fascinating. As we were talking about it, uh, the opportunities were unfolding and unfolding and unfolding, right? About, oh, wait a minute, this opens up this door, this opens up that door, this allows us to do this for people and that for people. And all of a sudden it was like, wow, you know, I mean, and, I, and I'm just laughing at myself because my first reaction was like muscle memory. Well, no, we've always done it this way. And, it, and, and what, we're, what we were talking about is something that actually works pretty well, but it can work better. And, um, and that was a form of loss aversion, right? That was a form of something that I designed, uh, works pretty well, and we're talking about replacing it. And it's something that, that you know, I, I had, I think even organizationally, we'd grown comfortable with. Um, but there's things that we could do better. And, and so, it, you know, it kind of happens uh, to all of us. And we, we kind of catch ourselves. You know, if we can catch ourselves, they're kind of fun moments. Because once you know that, um, you know, once you, once you know that, and once you kind of catch yourself in the act, so to speak, uh, those are powerful moments because that expands your thinking. It expands the view of yourself. You're giving yourself permission to say, hey, you know what? You should be thinking about this, okay? Um, as opposed to, you know, protecting your position, right? You know, you, you don't want to be like this. You want to be expansive. So, anyway, so it was kind of a, kind of a fun, uh, it was kind of a fun, fun moment for me. Um, I, and and I, uh, Kristen and Joanne and I haven't talked about it. I'm sure, I'm sure they, uh, I'm sure they picked up on it, you know, because I certainly did. I, for me, it was like muscle memory. I was like, oh yeah, I got to catalog that. So um, uh, how do you tame the beast, right? And the beast is the ego. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the ego is really not our friend. Uh, we have it. And it's part of us, so we can't ignore it. Um, but I'm going to say it's really not our friend. Because think about conflicts, arguments, you know, family feuds, relationship uh, feuds, international politics. You think about all these things. They're all ego-based, and ego-based is anything that's ego-based is more often than not fear-based, right? And and so um, you know you can tame the beast by not letting it engage. If it doesn't engage, okay, it can't be in charge, and a lot of times the ego's in charge. So 
you, you don't let it engage by substituting your latent fear of loss when change occurs with that of curiosity for what you're going to gain. So you're going to want to substitute, once you go into fear, you go into self-protection and your ego kicks in. And, and you know what happens. You start making excuses. You start defending. Defending is a big one. Defending why something is this way, right? All those types of things. Um, and so you want to substitute your latent fear of loss in exchange. And it's, it's a literal exchange, okay? It's like exchanging, you know, money for goods, okay? I'm going to exchange my latent fear of the unknown, of change, okay? Uh, with that of curiosity and what can I gain? And once you switch from fear to curiosity, right? Uh, then the ego's turned off. And then uh, the threats, right? And then, and then the natural threats that trigger, uh, that trigger, uh, trigger egoic behavior are neutralized. And um, so, you know, it's a really powerful thing to understand that, you know, it's kind of one thing to, um, it's one thing to, to not like something or uh, have something and be kind of an annoyance. Um, and that's made worse if you don't understand it. So if you don't like something and you don't understand it at the same time, that's like the double whammy, okay? But if you can, if you can understand it, Okay, even though you might not like it, but if you can understand it, then you can start to work with it and make it what you want. And I think, I think kind of the ego is that way, really, you know, where, where um, it served a purpose, it's an artifact. Uh, we don't need it nearly as much today as we have, but, but we're still wired that way. And, and it's kind of fun to be able to change, change your own wiring. So uh, let's just see what we got here for chat. So we've got a couple in here. We got uh, one from Allie. Uh, often when you try to make uh, change, you know, others won't like it. Yep. People don't like change. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, use the word seems. Yeah. Versus uh, adapt. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and eating. Yeah, the unknown is where... Um, yeah, the unknown is where all the opportunity is. You know, it's uh, it's kind of a kind of a funny thing. And I was listening to a podcast this morning. This is so fascinating. Just Edie's comment just jogged jogged my memory. So I was listening to this podcast this morning on the way in, and they were talking about um, cosmology. You know, the study of of stars, right? And they were talking about in 1920. Okay, so 100 years ago, basically, that the entire universe was considered basically the Milky Way. Now, everybody understand that, that the calculation is that there's like seven trillion universes in only a hundred years. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting, you know, how, how things change. But if a hundred years ago, if someone said, well, you know, there's seven trillion universes, they'd be like, well, you're crazy, you know? So I just thought, uh, you know, changing perspective on things and, and allowing perspectives to change. And, and that's in accepting certain things, you know, about change is, is how you kind of do your own rewiring for that substitution for latent fear versus curiosity of gain. So, so I don't see any other comments, but these were good. Thank you, Allie. Thank you, Edie.
And I hope everybody has uh, a great week. And I hope you have a great Memorial Day. We won't, we won't have a session on Monday because uh, of the holiday, but we'll pick it back up uh, the following week. So have a great week and uh, have a great holiday. Take care.